When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Tommy, I've got a question for you. What's your question? Where are all the promised electric cars? They are here in a big way, Dad. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about um, basically the fact that, uh, you know, Europe has now gone all electric and we're only at 2% in terms of all of our cars electric. So we're going to be going over the electric cars that are here, the ones that are coming. Uh, but before we do that, Tommy, right after the intro, I think we should talk about the latest Tesla news because Tesla just dropped some big news. That's coming up right now. Congratulations, you have now tuned into TFL Talk, where we discuss everything automotive, whether it's cars or trucks. This is the one place where you can be sure to get independent and honest reviews. Let's get back to the show right now. All right, let's talk about the breaking news first. Tommy, did you know that there's a new, well, it's not really new, is it? It's refreshed. It's a refreshed Model S and Model X, and of course, a new plaid version of the Model S. Apparently, it's got over a 1,000 horsepower. Zero to 60 in under two seconds? Is that even possible? Don't you need rockets or something for that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible to think about. Uh, the current Model S does it in like 2.4, I think, 2.3. Yeah. And now they're saying sub two seconds on a, uh, on a factory road-going electric car. I mean, how is this even going to be legal? How is this going to be possible? This is, this is, of course, the long-promised and long-awaited uh, Tesla Model S Plaid, right? We saw it running around the Nürburgring, I don't know, like a year ago now, right? And on a, a financial call, uh, uh, Mr. Musk uh, dropped some news uh, and then, of course, of course, uh, included pictures. So let's talk about, uh, let's start with the big news, which isn't really the outside, right? The outside looks about the same. Both the X and the S uh, look a little bit refreshed, right? The way automakers work is they usually completely bring out a new car every four years and then two years into that product cycle they give it new turn signals or headlights or something and so it's a mild refresh uh, from the front but oh my gosh what about the inside well the inside looks like a norwegian tiki bar <laughs> what's a norwegian tiki bar it's the new model s and model x so basically they took the minimalism thing yeah and and now you're basically going to be driving an Apple store. <laughs> so it's it's super, super minimalist. They got rid of, apparently... The steering wheel. No, it still has that... No, well, the steering, but not wheel. It's got half of a steering wheel. It's more of a... Yoke? Like an airplane? Jeez, uh, I don't even know what to describe it. Steering square? Rectangle? It's like a yoke on an airplane. Yeah, I guess yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. 
it's bizarre. It truly is. If you're watching on YouTube, you can kind of see what we're talking about. But it looks like something out of an F1 car. Basically, it's a perfect little rectangle, flat top, flat bottom. With tool handles on the side. <laughs> yeah, and then it's got a couple buttons on the side. Yeah. And then they got rid of, for some reason, <laughs> the shifter, yeah. the drive selector, yeah. and the turn signal stocks. Yeah, so instead of turn signals, what you have are two little buttons on the left side of the wheat, well, steering yoke. Square. Square <laughs> uh, that you push, right, to go left, to go right. Uh, and then instead of the little uh, gear selector, which actually – comes out of a Mercedes, you know that, right? The current ones are like Mercedes switch gear. On the Model S and the X, yeah, yeah they're yeah, basically yeah. out of like yeah. a, I don't know, an old C-Class. Yeah, and now, uh, now it's in that huge infotainment screen, so <laughs> it's now digital. And I was reading a story on Jalopnik, uh, and they said that actually it's not illegal, because nobody actually thought anybody would ever do it, uh, to make a, a gear selector switch um, <laughs> electronic in, in terms of actually putting it into a screen not not you know the kind that are already out there so did you read how it's going to work though how it's oh the car's going to guess right so <laughs> apparently you're not going to need to select drive or reverse yeah the car will use its sensors and its gps data to understand that if you're parked in a parking lot with a car in front of you and a car on both sides you're probably going to want reverse and it will automatically engage reverse and then it will, I guess, know when you're done reversing, and it will put you in drive. I can't wait to test that, Tommy. I cannot wait to test it that. It sounds like a nightmare. I don't know if we're going to have to get blow-up cars or something, because if, if it gets it wrong... Do you remember the Audi 5000 debacle with the unintended acceleration where old folks were... Hitting the accelerator instead of the gas pedal? Yeah, they were hitting the gas instead of the brake. Right. And then they were launching themselves with the garage doors. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be that times a million, is what it sounds like it's going to be. And basically, Audi just, I don't know, they put the pedals too close together or so, something. So what he's talking about is when I was a young man, 60 minutes, and you're right, I'm sorry, it's accelerator versus a brake. What they did was they did an expose where all these people were like flying through the back of their garage into their pool. Uh, and uh, apparently, potentially, the cause of that was that the accelerator and the brake pedal were too close. And so when people thought they were hitting the brake, they instead floored the car, and with Quattro, like the 5,000, went right through the garage and into the pool. So it was a quick way to get into the pool. I think that... Um, I, I, it's been so long since I've read the reports, but I thought that people thought they were hitting the brake and the brake was causing it to go. I mean, it was just a bizarre story. But anyways, it was this big deal in the, in the so, so 80s the, or 90s, right? Yeah, so the Plaid, uh, hopefully, will. let's talk about this news because it is big, right? So the Plaid is supposedly coming out at the end of the year, right? So we're not today going to be able to buy it. But, you know, I think, I guess that uh, this is in part due to what, uh, um, you know, the air is bringing to the table. The Lucid. Yeah. Yeah, the Lucid, if you are kind of unfamiliar, there's this little company called Lucid, which has this insane new sedan that's coming to market soon. They're built, I think, in Arizona? Casa del Grande, I think, Yeah, Arizona. like outside of Scottsdale or something? Yeah, they have, they have, outside of Phoenix, right, they have their own factory. Uh, and it's a, whole, it's a bunch of, like, ex-Tesla engineers uh, who uh, got together and built the ultimate electric car. Uh, they're actually opening, um, they're calling them studios, Tommy. Yeah, they, but... The news was that they just opened up uh, another studio. I think there's six of them now in uh, Miami or, um, yeah, uh, just north of Miami. What's that really, like, let's see, well, West Palm Beach. Yeah, West Palm Beach. I have no idea. I, yeah. I'm not really plugged into the chic Miami world. But the cool thing about Lucid is unlike so many other electric startups that are basically sketches and computers. They have a factory? Yeah, Lucid's got a factory. It's got a team. It's got these 
stores, uh, that studios, stores that they're opening. No, they're up. calling them studios. Yeah, they're stores. Uh, you go to the Walmart studio when you need when you need to go buy some eggs. Anyway, there are studios. It's, it's a car. It's not a piece of art. I'm going to call it a store. That's and, what I'm going with. That, anyway, they're there, uh, and uh, they're very expensive. I want to say uh, that they started about well, they're like Tycon pricing, right? Um, they started about 120, I think. And then the limited edition, I think, uh, after federal rebates is like $163,000, if I'm not mistaken. Well, if you go on their website, yeah. they say they start at 69900 Yeah, but those aren't available right now. That's right. They're only taking uh, the, the, the big ones. Yeah. But here's the deal. I mean, it's an impressive vehicle. 1,080 horsepower, it looks like. Available early 22 for the Pure. Yeah. Late 21 for the Touring. Yeah. Uh, summer 2021 for the Grand Touring, and then the Dream Edition is coming spring 2021, yeah, which is that's, now. That's, that's, that's the one, now. That's $160,000. Yeah. That's the one that will do a quarter mile in like, I want to say, nine seconds. 503 miles of projected range, 1,080 horsepower, $161,500 starting. I want to say Tesla said that the new long-range Model S is going to go 530 Jeez, yeah, that's too far. That's that's pretty far, yeah. I can guarantee by the time you're driving 500 miles in your Tesla, you're going to need to stop and take a pee. So might as well charge up in that time you're you're taking a pee. Uh, so let's talk about what Tesla's claiming the Model S Plaid will do. Yeah. 520 miles of range on a charge. Mm. Zero to 60 times are less than 1.99 seconds, though the company fails to specifically quote the exact time. This is on our website, tflcar.com. So Tesla says the Plaid will be available in, drumroll please. End of the year. March. March? Yeah. Now? Yeah, well, the Plaid Plus oh. will make its way to customers later this year. So okay. they're, they're doing two. They're doing Plaid and Plaid Plus, it looks like. Wow. There's also a Model X Plaid. So the X is the uh, crossover um, SUV. And that one is uh, supposed to uh, also be an insanely fast vehicle uh, for the super wealthy. Yeah, you know... Uh, you, you may find me here kind of not getting all that excited about the Lucid Air, the Tesla Plaid. I mean, these are phenomenal, crazy fast electric cars. But, you know, what happened to, like, electric vehicles for the rest of us, right? The ones that are, you know, selling like hotcakes in Norway, in Germany. Uh, uh, you know, where are all those vehicles? And that's really what I wanted to talk about. So let me kind of take a step back. Let me take you back in time, Tommy. Uh, back to, I think it was 2010, Detroit Auto Show. Uh, our economy had just uh, melted down. Uh, Ford had, uh, I, I want to say, uh, mortgaged their brand to the tune of $25 billion to, to, to rescue themselves. Uh, the government stepped in and rescued both uh, Chrysler at the time uh, and GM with massive loans. Uh, and I was at the Detroit Auto Show, and it was an interesting place because I think that was the first first auto show, first like significant auto show that Tesla went to. Uh, and in the stand, uh, a lot of companies weren't there. There were a lot of Chinese brands from Coda. I do remember Coda. Yeah, they were there. Yeah, okay. they they didn't go that. You know, they they were building an electric car. A lot of Chinese brands in the basement, and then there was Tesla, the shining beacon, right? Uh, and they had three cars at the time. Can you guess what those three were? Two Roadsters and a prototype Model S. They, no, they had a Roadster, a Model S, and a prototype Model X. I don't think the prototype X came it out. It was there. I don't I think it came out until 2012, if I remember right. I think it was at that show. I think the prototype was there at the show. I'll look it up to be sure. Maybe it was, maybe it was later in the year. Anyway, um, I think that was one of the last shows that Tesla did. They stopped going to auto shows. Uh, and, uh, of course, Mr. Musk came up uh, and did his... Uh, 
uh, keynote speech. We were there, all the reporters were there, and of course he laid out his vision for electric cars, right? And, and his vision at that time was you will have a house with solar panels on it and that will feed into a battery uh, that will then charge up your vehicle. Uh, and so there will be literally zero emissions, which I guess are the kind of dreams that uh, people who have just sold PayPal for over a billion dollars can have, right? You know, most, most of us probably dream of, like, going home and watching the next episode of uh, 90 Day Fiancé. Okay. Right? He's dreaming about <laughs> changing the entire infrastructure of the way people power their homes and their cars. Right. Right? That, that, that's, you know, probably not something that we can do. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, you know, at that time, most of the journalists and most of the people who were there were looking at Tesla like this is a company that may or may not survive. Uh, the domestic companies were, you know, just trying to keep their factories open and not trying to go out of business. Uh, and, you know, fast forward 10 years later, uh, and now, you know, we're at a point when uh, Tesla's getting ready to sell a car that will go 0 to 60 in under two seconds, which is crazy to me. Pretty amazing. And, and it's valued more than the next seven automotive companies combined. So, and they, and they had a profit actually this year. We are annual profit. We are pretty much at the place where Tesla is doing pretty well. So in 2020, I'm looking at the CNBC report. Yeah. They sold 499. Sorry, they delivered technically 499,550 vehicles. You know, almost half a million. That's a that's a lot of cars. So I think you know yeah, Elon is less, is less than Ford sells F-150s. Yeah, but this is a company that's been around for you know less than two decades, and right. they're selling half a million cars. Is that a year. worldwide or America? I don't know. I think that might be. I think that might be worldwide. Worldwide, yeah, but that's still pretty amazing. Half a million cars out of the. Yeah, I mean, the, the crazy part there is that it's valued at more than like the next seven comp- car companies combined. Well, let's compare it to the other company that was at that show, Coda. Yeah. Coda sold 191 cars. And there's one for sale here in Boulder, by the way. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite YouTube channels is spot one, actually. Yeah? They said 191 cars, which is not that many. So, you know, half a million cars is not an inconsiderable amount of vehicles that have been produced. And when you combine that and think that, you know, Nissan has sold, I think, over half a million Leafs. Yeah, it used to be the it used to be the most popular electric car in the world because of, of course at that time I was going to say the only other electric car company that was there was Nissan with their Leaf. Yeah, uh, and I think the Model Three has surpassed the Leaf in terms of uh, combined sales worldwide. So here's a story in automotive world. Yep. As of December third, twenty twenty, Nissan has sold over five hundred thousand Leafs worldwide. Right. So that's a lot of cars. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, um, annually in America, we were up to what sixteen million back in two thousand and ten, and then that year it dropped to like basically ten million, and we've kind of struggled our way back up to about seventeen million cars. They call them units in the business, right? And so, so a half a million uh, units worldwide. When in America alone, you're selling seventeen million. And by the way, China has surpassed America. Uh, I think for, for uh, in terms of total number of units, I think I want to say they sold 26 million units in China last year, which is pretty staggering, uh, or 26 million cars. A ton. What? That's a ton of cars. That's a ton of cars. Yeah, so half a million is pretty small. But let's let's kind of talk about, like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, the cars, the electric cars that you can buy, um, and then 
I want to ask you, Tommy, why do you think that America is only a 2% adoption, whereas, you know, Europe is at, like, places like Norway are, like, 70%, like, 7 out of 10 cars sold now are electric cars. What's what's going on? I think the reason is, you know, we were promised, back then at least, I felt like I was promised that electric cars were coming, and 10 years later, now 11 years later, we're just starting to get to the point when there are actually some that, that are out there. So let's, let's kind of talk about the ones that are out there uh, and... Um, the magic that isn't in those cars? Well, I think we need to talk about the percentage of them. So in the U.S., it's right around 2% of cars sold. I'm here on the Wikipedia page, and uh, the percentage of EVs, of plug-in vehicles in Norway, has surpassed 15%. So it's pretty small still. No, I think it's more than that. Uh, I'm reading right now. That that might be the total, but in terms of sales... I want to say uh, 7 out of 10 cars now and today sold in Norway are either electric or uh, plug-in. So that may be total percentage of cars, right, given all the cars that are there. But, but in Norway, most cars now sold are electric. Uh, well, okay. Uh, that's interesting. That, that's kind of something I, I didn't know. Um, but I think that in the U.S., uh, there's not really been the incentive for, for people to buy electric cars. I mean, sure. Is- I mean, we've got huge incentives, $7,500 federal. In Colorado, it was 5000 So you got this is as big of an incentive as you can have. In Colorado, Tommy, for the last 10 years, you got, if you qualified, which is a big if, right, because you had to have enough revenue to qualify, you would have gotten a check for, what, $12,500 from the government a credit for buying an electric car. That I don't know how much more incentive you need than that. It, well, took, it, t- it took a $35,000 car and made it a $22,000 car. The issue is that most of these EVs aren't $35,000. Most of the EVs that people want are forty, forty-five, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. And when you take seven and a half grand off of a $50,000 car, you're still in the mid-40s. And this is for a technology that still is relatively unproven. Okay, so I've got the number from Engadget here. Yeah. Uh, across 2020, EVs made up of 54% of all new car sales. Uh, in Norway, which is pretty good. Yeah, one out of two. Yeah, more than half of all cars sold in Norway are now electric. And that's not even counting hybrids. Those are just pure EVs. But I would be curious to see how much gas is per gallon in Norway compared to the U.S. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, you know, the cost of gas in Europe is much higher because in Europe, of course, uh, you know, gas is taxed much heavily, much more heavily than ours, right? I want to say more then uh, half the price of gas in Europe isn't the cost per barrel. It's actually a tax on top of it. Right. Which is um, Okay, so according to globalpetrolprices.com, in Norway, price per gallon is $7.13. Yeah. Versus here in the U.S., which is $2. And that's before you account for road tax and stuff. Yeah, so but our, our, the road tax is a small percentage. So I'm thinking that th- that leads a lot of it. I mean, and we saw that you know when gas got expensive 10 years ago. When gas started getting to 4 and $5, hybrid became really sought after. I remember reading stories about folks that were searching for old Geometros because Geometros were more efficient than what they were currently driving. Yeah, but, but the thing in Europe is gas prices have always been high in Europe, right? Here in America, uh, our gas prices tend to follow the market, right, the cost per barrel more than they do in Europe. But because there's so much tax in Europe, they've always been. I've been going to Europe for, you know, well, I was born there, but I've been going there pretty annually for a long time, and it's, gas has never been inexpensive. It doesn't fluctuate as much much as it does here. So the other thing we need to keep in mind, though, is even though Norway is doing very well, yeah. if you look at look, the... Try Germany. I, I want to say... I, I've got it right here, actually, yeah. Forbes. So if you... Uh, this is a recent article on Forbes, um, and this is where things get interesting. Even uh, 
without ID3, plugins now account for 7.9% of all German passenger car production. That's plugins. That's 7.9. So pl- that's not plug. That's production. How about sales? That's, that's well, a whole different number. Don't you think production and sales would go no, hand in hand? No, that's a whole different number. Okay. Look, look for. I want to say. Uh, I want to say that hybrids. Uh, this toward, is toward the end of the year in Germany accounted for something like 28%, if I remember reading a, that. A total of 108,000 plug-in electric cars were sold in Germany in 2019, consisting of 45,000 plug-in hybrids and 63,000 all-electrics. The plug-in segment market share achieved a record 3.1% of new car sales in 2019, with all-electric cars representing one8 and plug-in hybrids 1.3%. But that's 2019. I'm curious about 2020. It, it, it's jumped exponentially since then. You're one year behind. So we should have last year's numbers, not two years' numbers. So this is on Automotive News Europe. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Electrified vehicles with full or partial electric propulsion received a market share of 22% in the fourth quarter of 2020. Yep. Which, yeah, so it's exponentially growing. But that's also plug-in hybrids. Yeah, yeah, but still. Which is like yeah. 330Es and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's exponentially growing. Uh, but I want to talk about now what's happening in Europe. I mean, we'll leave that to you Europeans. I want to talk about what's happening here where it's only 2%, right? And, and the, I think the, way, the best way we can talk about that is the fact that in America, the automakers have not, uh, I wouldn't even say doubled down, have not even singled down on, on, on electric cars, right? The electric cars that they built were either California compliance cars, right, which were cars that they had to build and California made them build, uh, and they were by no means uh, what I would call very interesting, very fun, or very uh, long-ranged. And the biggest difference, I think, Tommy, between Europe and America is in Europe you can get away with you know, cars that don't have as much range. Like right now, they're selling the Honda E in Europe, which is 120 miles. They won't sell it here. Here in America, we have much further distances. And so if a car has, you know, 100 miles or 160 kilometers, it's barely enough of range electric, if it's all electric. I mean, I think it depends on the person. I think in the U.S., most electric cars are sold in densely populated areas. And I would argue that most folks in densely populated areas don't drive more than 100 that, miles. That's the, that's the argument Nissan made when they first came out with a Leaf that had and like... And they sold 500,000 no, of them. when they first came out with a Leaf that had like 65 miles of range, and, and it was pretty much a dismal flop for but, them. So my question is, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Hmm. If you are the Ford Motor Company, you are selling over 400,000 F-150s every year. Over 600,000. Is it over 600? Yeah. Okay. Well over half a million. F-Series. F-Series, yeah. Right. Which is incredible. Yeah. And you see that Americans are only buying 2% of new cars that electric. So, so would, you, would you spend the hundreds of millions to develop a ground-up EV, or would you be incentivized to keep improving the F-Series? So first of all, what Ford did was they, they built a pretty crappy EV, the Focus EV, if you remember. Right. right? Which was pretty, pretty... It was a compliance car. Yeah, it was a pretty poor <laughs> attempt at it. Uh, and so they kind of stuck their toe in the electric car world and said, it's not very warm, so let's keep building trucks. But I, I would argue that what they should have done is they should have looked at what was happening with Tesla and seeing, forget sales, right? The sales at that time weren't very weren't very strong, right? You could say Tesla's this company that's for rich people. And this is, I'm going once again back in time, like 2011, 12, right? I think most people think that Teslas are still for rich people. Well, I mean, Model 3s now are becoming, you know, $35,000, $40,000 cars. 
Yeah, but a lot of them you see are still 50. I mean, they're still above the but average transaction price. But I'm saying four th- four th- but the, we didn't have a Model 3 in 2012. We had $120,000 no, yeah, Model, yeah. Model S and $127,000 Model X, right? And, and they thought to themselves, this is a world that's stratified. It's not in our, it's not in our you know, buying demographic. Uh, but the amount of like buzz and excitement around Tesla should have been a clue uh, that this is where the wind is blowing from, right? Somebody, I mean, I used to go to a thing at Ford every year where they were uh, predicting the future. They get a futurist who would look at all the trends, and somehow uh, I think they miss this trend. Well, maybe maybe they missed it less than the other car companies because now they've got the Mach E. Uh, but they, but you know, back then they certainly missed it. Anyway, what I'd like to do, dude, is I'd like to kind of go through the different cars. I want to make this car specific and talk about, and I hope after we do this, people will understand what, what my point is. Talk about the cars that you can buy today. Right. right. Right now on the market that you can buy that are all electric. So let's start with Ford. Yes. Because that's an interesting one. Um, Mach-E. I would argue the Mustang Mach-E is exactly the car you just described. Because I was at the launch of the Mach-E, I got to spend time with the engineers and the designers. This car is not months in the making. This car is years in the making. The Mustang Mach-E wasn't thought of last year. It wasn't thought of two years ago. This is a car that is – they had to predict the future several years ago. And what Ford did initially, and they, they talked about this on the, uh, the presentation, is they came up with a compliance car. And they showed us a picture of it. It kind of looks like an egg. Right. And – the team wasn't excited about it. No one in the engineering department was really that excited about it because it was just another relatively mundane EV. And then at some point, someone said, guys, this is the future. We're going to build this Mustang crossover that's got excitement, that's got soul. Yeah. And that's what they did. So I think Ford, I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally contradicting what I said earlier, but Ford did a good job of predicting. I mean, I was there at the auto show when they introduced it. Right. Right. And, and that was, I want to say, like five years ago now. And basically all they did was they had this maybe six, four years ago, they had this really boring presentation at the Detroit Auto Show, which, by the way, is the biggest, was for the domestic car manufacturers, the biggest auto show of the year. It was kind of like a, like a TED Talk gone rogue. Uh, and then at the very end of it, they put up a logo that says Mustang Mach-E coming soon. Yeah. Right. That was it. That was it. So, like, like they, they, they didn't, I don't think... They didn't have a lot at the time to talk about. But, you know, I think the Mach-E will be an interesting litmus test because it is finally the first car that is affordable uh, that meets, you know, the things that everybody wants out of an electric car, which is range and performance and uniqueness uh, and utility. Uh, and we'll see if it sells. I think that's, that's the first one of the new breed that actually directly competes with Tesla that is available today. Right. That, that well, I mean, it's, they're delivering the orders now. But you're going to be able to go in and buy one very shortly. Right. Yeah. I think the Mustang Mach-E, it will be a good litmus test. I, I, I think Ford has dumped a huge number of resources in it and took a big, big gamble on, once again, a technology that's only 2% of the total market in the U.S. But, but so the, I hope it pays off for them. But the problem is these cars we're talking about weren't available a year ago, whereas they should have been, I think. So let's talk about, like, the cars that were available a year ago before we talk about the cars that are available now. So, you know, GM, I was, when, I was there when GM rolled out the Bolt. And once again, I was my jaw dropped to the ground because I knew that people who wanted electric cars wanted something that was like the Jetsons car, the future. And instead, this little tiny, from an American standpoint, um, basically commuter car, right? An economy car, you would have called it, rolls out. Uh, and that is GM's, you know, car of the future. And I thought to myself, why is it front wheel drive? Why doesn't it have a frunk? 
Why doesn't it take advantage of all the engineering that an electric car can have? And the one thing that it did have going for it, or it still does, is it, of course, had you know range. I think it came out of the box with like 240 miles, which was the first non-California compliance car that actually. But it was just such a such a like a mundane, you know, nothing exciting about it. Didn't accelerate very quickly. You know, my heart didn't pound when I saw it, and I thought to myself, "This is the future, GM. Build the future electric car." Don't build an economy car that happens to be electric. Uh, and so I, I think that therein lies the rub with the Bolt. I, I agree. And this is a company that, right, that, that was in the forefront of not only battery tech but also of electric car tech. But I, I'd like to reemphasize, too, I mean, we're making it sound like EVs are commonplace. And I still don't think they are. At least here in the States, there's, there's still like some – for most people, they're like a niche science experiment. I don't think most people watching and the data proves it. 98% of you don't go out and buy EVs. You have the option to. I mean, if you bought more bolts, they would make more bolts. But I don't think that it's in the mainstream yet. I still think we're way, so way beyond so, till so, that. So with, with the next company, we don't even have to take a year back. We can talk about today, right? And that is FCA, which is now Stellantis, right? Right. Has no electric cars. Sure. None. Zero. Well, they've Zip. got the plug-in hybrid Pacifica, and they've got a four four by Jeep coming. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. You know, and this is this is a, this is one of the three major domestic car companies that has no electric cars. Of course, Peugeot that they just partnered with has a bunch of them, so maybe they'll be coming on those platforms, but they don't have anything. And the other thing too that's going to push them toward this are the the, the credits. Uh, you know, they have to buy their fuel economy credits from and Tesla. Buy them from Tesla, which. You know, boost Tesla's profits. All right. Usually. So, so there's there are the three domestics. You know, Ford has a Machi, GM has the Bolt. I mean, I know that the EV commerce coming, but we're not, it's not here yet. Apparently, get this. I was listening to another podcast the other day. I guess GM has nine <laughs> all EVs coming out in the next couple of years from Cadillac, from Chevrolet. We've got not only the GMC, but also a more affordable Silverado pickup truck. Uh, we've got it looks to be an electric Corvette coming um, or electrified for sure an electrified corvette suv by the way did you see that if you looked at that presentation the other thing, back, the people other think th- that's going to be a corvette suv the other thing i saw is that um, getting back to tesla it looks like the cyber truck is going to be delayed on that conference call i think uh, or maybe in twitter it's hard to tell now between with with mr musk uh i think he stated that you know they'll might have a few pre-production uh cyber trucks running around at the end of this year but any orders won't be built or delivered until 2022. Uh, so we're, you know, we're quite a ways, again, another year at least, from actually having like a Cybertruck you can go and actually drive. Uh, but uh, that means that potentially the, the Hummer EV is going to be out first before the Cybertruck. Because they're auctioning one at Bear Jackson's, you know. The, the, yes, very know, soon. Very yeah, soon that in March. Thing's, yeah. That thing's coming up quick. Yeah, anyway, anyway so uh, let, let's talk about some of the other manufacturers, Toyota. Toyota has nothing. Exactly. At least that we've heard of. And, the and closest you get is the RAV4 Prime, and people are, are scrambling to get one. They love it. Yes. Uh, Toyota's all in on their hybrids right now, and I think they're going to be pushing that direction for quite some time, um, which I think from their standpoint makes sense because they're looking at the numbers. They see the number of hybrids are selling. They see the numbers of EVs being sold, and they're like, look, this is familiar. We know how to do this. We've been doing this for 20 years. By the way, years. the closest they, they're getting to an EV uh, is, a, is a hydrogen car, the Mirai, the new one, mm-hmm. uh, and the Lexus version of it. Uh, and they're sending us one, by the way. So we oh, should, sweet. So we should have one next month to actually test. So uh, that's going to be fun because we don't have any place to fill it up with hydrogen, but they're sending us a full one, and we'll return it empty all the way to California. So, th- you know, that is electric, right? That is an electric car. 
more or less. Without, yeah. With a small battery. All right, next up, let's talk about the Korean manufacturers. Now, those are interesting because the Koreans, and I'm talking about Hyundai and Kia, sister brother companies, they actually have electric cars that do directly compete now. Yeah, they do. So they've got the Kia Niro EV, yep. great car, and the Hyundai Kona EV, yes. another great car. Um, and then you also have, like, I think they still make the Ionic EV, although I'm not super sure. Ionic's going to bust off its own range of all-electric cars. And this is where it gets really exciting because there's going to be an all-new platform, which is supposed to be really cool. Yeah, but the, the thing, once again, I would say about the Ionic and the Kona, the two you can go buy today. Nero. Nero, sorry. The, 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 the Nero and the Kona EVs are that they are, once again, you know following GM with the Bolt. These are cars that do not have, you know, unique platforms. They're shared platforms uh, and they're economy cars, what used to be called economy cars that happen to be electric. So there's nothing there's nothing like inherently like groundbreaking or unique uh, except for the fact that they're powered by electricity versus, you know, gasoline. They are fairly affordable. Yeah. So, uh, fairly. Kona starts at 37, but they have Full federal tax credit, so you could potentially get one for about 30 But that's, that's not the Jetsons car. That's not what I picture myself driving when I'm driving in the future. Look, I, I don't think a lot of people want to drive the Jetsons car. I think they do, actually. I think I think that's the secret sauce for Tesla, right? They, they give you uh, futuristic design, interior and exterior, and they give you incredible performance. That's future. But I think that the 500,000 people that bought them last year want that. Absolutely. But some, someone like my mom, she doesn't understand how to use the Tesla. She, we've put her in it like four times, and she's totally baffled by it. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people just want our Model Y. Our Model Y. Most people Long-term just tester. want a normal car to drive around in that happens to be quiet and fast and efficient. And I think that's you know going to be coming soon here. Uh, and the Kona is not a bad option if you want you know a more standard driving experience. I, I think look. Look, if you want a normal car to drive around in, right, then there are much better choices than an electric car because they have today, you know, an inherent problem, and that is the charging network. Unless you're a Tesla owner and you have a supercharging network, most electric cars companies, you know, have to depend on Electrify America. So if if the power, if you know, the network charging and all the other stuff, you know, the fact that you lose range in the winter, uh, the fact that they charge at different rates, you know, there's just so much more to do with electric cars that, that is fussy than just gas cars. The right? funny thing is, though, is I hear all these arguments, and I used to be very opposed to electric cars like five yeah, years right? ago. And then we got that little smart car, which is 60 miles of range, yeah. doesn't even fast charge. And even in our city, which is not huge, it's about 100,000 people, I not once felt range anxiety. I not once needed to travel in that car long distance because I had another vehicle to drive. I just charged it up at night, started the morning with the full quote-unquote tank, drove it all day, plugged it back home, and it was good. I so, mean, that's how 95% of people are going to drive their cars so, so, 95% of the time. So here, here's my let, – let's take like the two competing cars. Take a Corolla, right, which is just traditional Toyota. And compare it, or even a Corolla Hybrid, right? Right. And compare it to uh, Kona Electric, right? Sure. The Kona Electric is going to be more expensive, um, even yes. even with the discount. Yes. It's going to be more expensive. It's going to be more limited in range. You, you'll have a much harder time driving it across country. How often do you drive your I'm Corolla saying, across saying, country? This is, what, this, is, this is what most regular, I think, car buyers will look at. So it's going to be more expensive. It's going to have uh, an issue going across country. It's also going to have an issue with charging. There's all this fustiness associated with charging that you may or may not know. Uh, and so just 
most buyers are just going to be, I'd buy the Corolla unless there's something like really cool or crazy fun about this that, 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 you know, gives you a reason to buy to put up with all that stuff. And that's what Tesla did. They said, yeah, it's going to be problematic, but we've got our own charging network. So we're going to take that uh, worry away from you. And it's going to be crazy quick. So at the stoplight, you'll be, you know, and it's going to be very dependable uh, because electric cars are very dependable and it's going to be cool and different and it's going to have a cachet to it. The Cornell Electric doesn't have any of that. I understand that, but at the same time, you have to take the it's hard a good part, car. But the it, hard part with convincing consumers is you have to change the way you view the automobile. You don't drive it like a gasoline car. You don't own it like a gasoline car. You don't drive it and then go to a public station to fill it up. You fill it up at your house if you have access to overnight. a house. Overnight. Yeah, and you wake up and there's a full charge. The best thing that folks can do, in my opinion, is if you have a house and you have space for two cars – Go buy yourself a used i3 and a $3,000 Chevrolet Silverado. That, drive your i3 98% of the time, and then when you go ahead and take the road trip, jump in the Chevy right, and but use let's, dino let's, let's, say, let's say you don't have that luxury of having two vehicles. Or let's say you're a single-vehicle family, which is rare in America. I'll give you that, right? Right, because the average American household, I was listening to this too, has 2.4 cars. And, and you, have, you have an electric car. And you show up at home, and the thing is empty, and then you got to go to the grocery store. You're not going to charge it up enough from your you know, level 2 home charger to the grocery store. You're going to have to wait. But if you are an average American, then you have 2.4 cars. Uh, first of all, I would argue that even most electric cars, if you're doing a normal commute, you would if arrive you're home. you're an American family, not yeah, American. Yeah, American household, I think it was. Yeah, household. 2.4 cars. Yeah, but that's not... But that, that combines the whole U.S. Right. I mean, it could be families of two. It could be families of six. Right. Average of 2.4 cars. Um, so an electric car makes perfect sense as a backup car or as a little commuter. I'm not saying you go out and yeah, buy and one. Then, and you just put your finger on why only 2% of people in America, 2% of the sales are electric cars because that's what it is. Well, that's because so far the current offerings are like forty five grand. i am not going to go buy a $42,000 Chevrolet Volt that's compromised? I mean, we need more affordable right, electric right, cars. Well, let's, let's, let's keep talking about the electric cars and the companies. Mazda. Mazda has an MX-30 coming, which is going to have a rotary-powered range extender. But there's nothing right now. Currently nothing right now. Yeah, Mazda has nothing right now. Okay, let's keep going down the list here. Uh, Honda has pretty much nothing. They had the Clarity for a while. Yeah, yeah, which had like 80 miles of range or 120. Yep, Nissan had the Leaf. Uh, and um, the leaf kind of shot itself in the foot. It's a debacle. Yeah, it's yeah, a really that's bad a whole, that's a whole. That's a whole podcast on itself. And then they've got the Aria coming, coming. which is their all-electric crossover. Yeah, but it's not here yet. Yep. So uh, beyond that, if we... BMW, let's go back to Germans. BMW was huge in electrification with cars like the i3 and i8, and then they kind of walked away from it, but they still have plugins, X3, X5. They have a lot of plugins, but, the, but there's, a, there's an electric car coming. Uh, the IX. yes, the bulbous thing. <laughs> that's that's out there. IX seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then there's is it IX seven? It's IX depending on. There'll oh, be different okay. ones. And then there's uh, Mercedes. They just introduced the uh, what is it? The EQ A two fifty in Europe, which will be available maybe in a year in Europe, but is not available here in America. There will be an AMG version, but get this, EQA right now. Zero to sixty. How fast do you think? Uh, it's like nine seconds. Exactly. Really. Although we should forgot one one yeah. Lexus, which is Toyota, in Europe has an electric UX, which is pretty cool. So there is an electric car in Europe, just not in the states. Right. That Toyota builds. Um, let's keep going down the list. Audi has the e-tron and the e-tron uh, Sportback. So, so they're really, if you're serious about electric cars, right? There's there's like a handful of near or luxury cars that you can buy. So there's a Jaguar I-Pace. Which, which is old and very expensive, very expensive. like $70,000 expensive. They just upped the range, I want to say, 
to close to like 260 maybe you can look it up it used to be 240 and they just i think added 20 more miles of range to it but yeah it's not selling uh I don't know why. That's a whole other podcast. Maybe if you guys are in the comments below, I just think it's probably the right car, wrong brand maybe. Um, the e-tron, I think, uh, is selling um, 50,000 units in 2020. It's pretty good. Worldwide. Yeah, for a car that has like 220 miles of range, it's pretty good. My, my biggest worry is when we were at the Audi dealership, there were a lot of them there that were like used and certified. So I kind of felt like people, there's two things that be going on, right? People are either buying them or leasing them and they're returning them right away. Or um, uh, they take the credit and then, you know, walk away from it a year later. Like I said, there were a lot of them in the used car lot. Interesting. Okay. Uh, it, this was one dealership. Maybe there are not as many in other dealerships. Um, so, the, you know, Jaguar, obviously Tesla. Uh, and then there's, of course, uh, Audi. We just talked about Porsche, Taycan. Very good car, but also They sold 4,000 last year. But wasn't it like 20 worldwide? Yeah, 4,000 in the U.S. Yeah, pretty good. For a car that's, you know, hundred launched with like $150,000, $160,000 starting. And they're coming, out, they're pretty coming good. out with a rear-wheel drive. The base one, yeah, 82? 79. Okay. 79.99, so 80,000. So they're coming out with that car soon. Uh, that's going to be here. Uh, yeah, that's, that's more affordable. But, dude, that, that, that is like what? That is 10 cars, maybe. Out of, out of all the models that are sold here, right? Yeah, it takes a. I mean, I think to be honest, Dad, I think the manufacturers are doing better than I'd expect. Because if you look at when the first Leaf hit the market, which was 2010, yeah, right. Uh, in 10 years, it, it takes a lot of money the, and dude, a lot the, the of time leaf, to the develop. The Leaf looks those. identical to the one from 10 years ago. If you were to put the new Leaf up with the old Leaf, the biggest difference, of course, would be range. But that's about it. But my, I'm saying my the first real mass market EV you could buy. I'm not talking like the EV1 and the Rav4 right. from the 90s. But the the first mass market EV you could buy, the Leaf. In 10 years, we now have eight models from these major manufacturers for, for a, competing for a segment that's just two percent. Well, I'm saying is it, once again, it's which came good. first, the, the chicken or the egg? Is it because there's only eight models? We also have to talk about Volkswagen. So Volkswagen, you know, after Dieselgate has triple down on electrification. But I, once again, that's another company. I remember being at the Detroit, was it Detroit? Maybe it was LA Auto Show. I get, they all get, you know, kind of into one after going to them for 10 years. Uh, when, when like, the uh, little bus came out, the buzz? Yeah, the ID buzz. Never. Where is it? Once again, where is the thing? That ne- these manufacturers right can't n- just snap their fingers and start pulling out EVs out of factories. I mean, it takes time to develop. you got to get the battery I'm not saying. I'm not saying why introduce it, like, six years ago and then six years later. Well, you that's can build what it. Tesla does. You, you, you could have built an electric. You could build it. I mean, electric vehicles are very s- simple, right? It's basically a battery and two motors and then some software to control it. These are not hard vehicles, right? The amount of, like, moving components in an electric car is nothing compared to what it takes to build an internal combustion engine with, like, super chargers or electric turbochargers or you know name all the stuff that's on it and yet once again you know there's finally the id3 is here and it's selling very well in europe and we're supposed to get the id4 once again you know i would say if, if the company is committed to to selling those cars you know we have not seen one i think you're discounting how hard it is to develop a ground you, you've made that argument you're now. not you're not sticking double a's into a beetle you, and calling you, you've it you've made that argument i get it it, it takes forever no, no, to build listen one. to me hang on just just hold up. The first ones, the early ones, Focus Electric, Fiat 500e, the compliance cars were easy because you take a gasoline car, you throw some batteries in a motor, whatever, you got a car. 
they're pretty crap, let's be honest. For most people, they're pretty crap. To build an EV that works, you have to rethink the way you do the platform. The battery has to be integral into the uh, the architecture. You can't just take the current Passat and then throw uh, Tommy, some batteries These, are, these in are car companies with 100 years of building car and experience. And in 10 years, we have like no, nine no, no, I would good say, EVs. I would say in 10 years, Tesla has built more and better. And, and you're going to say I'm a Tesla fanboy. I'm not. You are a Tesla no, fanboy. I'm, I'm not a Tesla fanboy. I'm just looking at this pragmatically and realistically. In 10 years... Years, Tesla has built more and better EVs than all of the car companies combined with their thousand years of car building experience. Tesla doesn't build them well. I'll give you that. They're, you know, the software is good uh, and their you know, electrification is good. The, the actual building of the cars, they're still learning. You know, they've got problems with that. But still, it's pretty impressive what one dude you know, with a couple billion from PayPal has done. And it, yet, and yet the, the, the traditional car companies are struggling with that. It's impressive. But if this was a totally free market, there would be no Tesla. Because Tesla's been around because they've been making millions upon millions in tax credits, which is a, a – sorry, not – well, tax credits as well. But in but terms you know why of that is. EV credits, because that's the way our government set up. No, why is that? What's, what's the rationale for that? It's to promote the, the, these, new, these traditional manufacturers to make EVs. No, no. The rationale for that is that global warming, dude. Right, but my point is that sorry, climate change with with Tesla. I mean, there's a reason that, that that the government does this. The government has done this, not just you know. People make that argument. They say, oh, you know, it's because the government sticks their finger on the scale, and they do. But the government always sticks its finger on the scale in everything, and whether that's for you know global warming reasons or because you know some politician has you know gotten paid off, like like they happened in uh, I think it's in Ohio where basically the electric company got permission to build more nuclear plants because. You you know the politicians were paid off. It always happens. So, so I, I'm not making a, I'm I'm not making a moral argument. I'm just making a realistic argument. I know, but if if this the system wasn't set up where other manufacturers had to buy EV credits from Tesla, I strongly believe the company. But that, that would happens. Not be all, it's never a, you know people say if it was a fair. It's never a fair playing field. But it, the, I mean, the life isn't fair. Some people are born with good looks, you know, and they're the Brad Pitts of the world. For some reason, that, that makes life easier. For some reason, Tesla, which sold five hundred thousand cars last year, yeah. is valued more than the Toyota. Motor I'm not saying it's, it's. I'm not saying it's worth that. So I think a lot of that is due to the stock market. A lot of that is due to some crazy investment that Tesla's had. I, I, I honestly, I don't think that Tesla is worth the hype for ninety percent of the time. They build some great cars, but look, I'm not. I'm not. You think I'm a fanboy? I'm not a fanboy. I'm very. Real realistic and I'm very pragmatic. All I'm saying is that uh, I understand what Tesla has accomplished uh, and what the traditional car companies have failed to do. Uh, and there's a reason that you know Tesla is um, very successful. And yeah, there's a lot of different market forces. And, and if you can pull your hair out talking about the fact that they're valued too much, you can pull your hair out talking about the fact that they're not making a profit. You know, there's all this other stuff that you could pull your hair out about. But the actual buzz and the actual product they're delivering is is you know years ahead of what the other car companies can deliver to this point especially when you take their charging network it's, you know the charging network's amazing it's also worth noting that you're saying these companies are moving slowly tesla moves quickly tesla moves quickly and makes a lot of mistakes and a lot, a lot of the early cars are pretty poor quality keep in mind do you remember how long we were waiting for a model 3 do you remember that you know when Edison, they, they said oh the model 3 will be here next year I'm, oh the model 3 will be you know, here I'm, the year I'm, after I, I agree i agree 
But it's, they, it's never a perfect world. I'm sure when Edison came around I'm not saying it's and start, world. started his electric company, Tesla a lot of people takes, were electrified. That Tesla takes a long time to make cars, too. It's not like they're just whipping them out. No, no. I'm, I'm, you're, you're making this argument that, you know, like, like with full cell driving where people are, you know, decapitating themselves. Yes, it's dangerous and it happens. But I'm sure, you know, when Tesla, when like um, uh, Edison came around and said, you know, instead of, you know, using gas in your home to pop, you know, to, to create light. We're going to put these electric wires. A lot of people probably died of electric. You know, I mean, there is a learning curve, and things are going to get broken. I agree, but the, the things that shouldn't be broken eggs, eggs are, will get broken. The eggs that shouldn't be broken are panels not fitting right. The heater has failed twice now under Model Y. Could you imagine if you bought a it car? It failed. It's just continued. It's failed. It hasn't failed. It's just, you're, so you're, if wait, I'm wait, wait, wait. I just want to be very precise. The heater does not work properly. So when you're saying it's failed, it's not like we had it. It failed. We had it repaired. They fixed it again. It hasn't ever been repaired. Well, I just it failed. Make that, it broke. The heater's not. No, but working. you make it. It sounds like if I'm listening to this, like it was repaired and then failed again. No, I'm not saying it. It stopped it was working repaired. twice. Would be a better use of language. Yes, it's not. It's broken. The it heater, stopped. It, it, there's, there were two instances or three instances when the heater didn't work. You were not on top of the mountain pass four degrees with my mom and the puppy freezing at four degrees with the I'm heater not, not working. Not, yeah. The semantics does not matter, Dad. When, Tom, you're, Tom, when my mom is freezing, that's her grand, Tommy. And we've had three defenders. Three I defenders. Know. That's the- Land Rover. Land Rover does Land Rover stuff. Everybody knows that Land Rover has some problematic reliability. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So we've had one Tesla where the heater stopped working three times, or you can compare it to a traditional company where basically we've had Land to go Rover's through, not a traditional company. Land we've had Rover. To go through three. Land Rover is for folks that buy a car and they understand that it's it's a beautiful vehicle, but it's going to have issues. All right. You know what about the it's Silverado? Not a, out there? It's not a Toyota. Two hundred and seven thousand miles. Nothing's wrong. Did I just say? That they're not great at building cars. I know that, but you're I making a at, lot of excuses. I said, I said they're good at uh, software, right? And I said they're good at electrification. I didn't say they're good at building cars. Uh, yes, but the the point is, I think that Tesla is moving quicker than the other manufacturers. But I think at right, the cost right. of cutting corners. Right. And let's, let's keep going. The other thing I would say is, you know, we're really struggling to get electric cars here to test. You know, some of the manufacturers like. Volkswagen, when they had the e-golf, we requested one, and we got it for, I think, three months. But now with their more, hopefully, um, advanced electric car, the ID4, we haven't seen hide nor hair of it, right, to test. And we have got a pretty good, big audience. The same thing can be said for Volvo, uh, which has a new EX40 recharge. You know, I just uh, emailed Volvo. I said, hey, we'd love XC40. to... XC40. XC40. We'd love to t- test this thing. Uh, you know, they're selling it. Why can't we get our hands on it? And, I, and, and to me, sometimes... That's more of a direct measure of how um, committed the car companies are to electrification, right? If, if they really think it's an important car or truck, right, like Ford with the F-150, they'll get it to us because they know that a lot of people watch us and listen to us. And if they're kind of lukewarm about it, then they're like, oh, it's in Denver. We, you know, we got to go all the way to Denver. It's not, that, it's not that big of a car for us. So you can tell, I think it's not what they say, it's what they do, right? And like Ford got us a Mach-E, but I'm still waiting for the Polestar. Well, sure, but we don't know anyone at Polestar. Yeah, we know. We have no yeah. peer contacts. Yeah, we have peer contacts at Polestar. At Polestar, sure. not yeah. Volvo? It's yeah. Just yeah. The, yeah, it's the, the Volvo's kind of a weird thing. I mean, we haven't been able to get an, an e-tron either here uh, in Denver. Yeah, that's, 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 it's in, or uh, I got to go on the program, which is great, so I got to go drive it. But there is no e-tron in the fleet, uh, neither is there uh, an I-Pace in the fleet, in the Denver fleet at least. It never has been. Look, at I, just, I don't think that the manufacturers are incentivized to push the cars if so few of them are being sold. 
I mean, how many eye pieces did they sell last year? Once again, year? chicken or the egg. Yeah, and I think right now the uh, chicken is winning. That's that's that that's what the market is dictating, and especially right now, as gas is cheap. If gas under the new administration shoots up to eight bucks a gallon, you're going to bet we're going to get an e-tron in the fleet to test. I don't think the administration controls the price of gas, but I think at two dollars a gallon, uh, yeah, we're going to keep seeing a lot but of. But that same pricing is in Europe. Right. But Europe is a different thing. You admitted it earlier. Europe has a very different way of buying cars. Yeah, but it's, you know... It's, it's very different. I, I, would, I, I would say that, you know, uh, advanced, um, maybe not advanced, but developed countries with their car infrastructure are very similar and are very compatible. I mean, it's not like we're comparing uh, Europe and America to, you know, pick the third world country of your choice. Europe still buys a lot of station wagons, and no one here in the States buys station wagons. We have very different yeah. opinions on cars. Europe, an F-150 won't work in Europe. It just won't work on many streets. A lot of people want F-150s in Europe. Yeah, but, but I get they those don't emails. They don't really sell them in Europe. Right. But my point is that very different markets, and I don't think they correlate at all. I think what works in Europe is not necessarily going to work here in the U.S. I mean, if pre-days Dieselgate, Europe well, was selling would, the hell out of diesels, and here in the States, we I, I, would argue, I would argue that that's absolutely wrong. I think people's taste in vehicles. So where's my Renault Zoe? Once again, if it works me, in Europe, why wouldn't it work here? Let me finish. I'm not saying it works. I'm saying, you know, there's this belief, and for a long time was it that that cars should be different. Uh, Ford, a good example, right? So Ford used to build like a different Focus in Europe for the different Focus in America. Same name, different car. Very different car. And then Alan Mulally came along after 2010, right, uh, when the company mortgaged its brand uh, and said, you know, this is stupid. We're going to build one car. They called it one Ford for one, right? And so, you know, he had a team of people in Europe. He had a team of people in Brazil. He had a team of people in North America. And they got together via the Internet, and they built one car, uh, and I think it worked. I don't I think it did. I think it worked. I have proof it didn't work. I think I think it worked. Can you buy a new uh, Focus in Europe? No, because because what happened was I hang think, on. Just answer the question. No, no, Can you buy no, a new but, Ford Focus but, in Europe? No, you can't buy one. Yes, here. you can. You can't buy one, one in the here. states. Yeah, I, know, that, I, I think know, that's Tommy. proof it didn't no, work. No, no. I think what happened was once Alan left, you needed the leadership to be like that far sighted to understand that the the cost savings is worth getting input from different regions and building a car that works everywhere. But instead, once he left, Ford went back to old Ford, which was, you know, we're going to do things the way we've been doing them since Henry Ford was running the I company. I disagree. I completely disagree. They sold 194,000 Fiat 500s in Europe in 2018. 100. I'm, t- I'm not talking about, like, little city cars. But that's, that's a whole different that's thing. But that's my argument. Cars that work in Europe don't Tell work me, here. A, a, and cars that work here don't work a, in Europe. A8s work in Europe, too, and they're massive, giant cars. Yeah, but what about an F-250? There's a reason you right, don't man, see a lot of Once again, don't, don't go to trucks. Don't go to the most extreme example. Why don't we talk about actually apples to apples? Well, like, how many Corvettes did they sell in Europe last year? Well, that's a whole different story. Oh, I, that's a different story. No, I got gotcha. you. No, I think the reason, Tommy, I think the reason that the Corvette doesn't sell in Europe is because Europeans have a... Um, uh, bias toward exotic European cars. I watch a lot of the European... But that just I, solidifies, my that solidifies my point. Can I finish point? my sentence? Oh, the Europeans watch. I watch a lot of European, especially British publications. I talk to a lot of people in Europe, uh, and the belief in Europe is that the Corvette is, you know, all brawn and no brain. And I disagree. But, but that's, that's, that's my, their... That's can I make my point? That opinion is the reason the same cars that sell in the U.S. don't sell in Europe. 
I mean, it's that it's those biases, it's those wants in Europe that are different from the U.S. No, they're not. They're not because because look, the first company that came to America from Europe was Volkswagen. Seriously, and you know they weren't selling American cars; they were selling the Beetle, they were selling uh, the Golf, right? And Americans bought them up like crazy. And then the next wave of car companies that came to Europe were the Japanese, and they weren't selling F-150s, right? They weren't selling Tundras or Tacomas; they were selling little tiny Corollas and Hondas, and people bought them like crazy. They bought the same cars that people were buying in Japan here. In the 1950s and 60s, when we had far fewer cars, uh, just globally, I think that, yeah, there was some parallel because you just didn't have that many options. But there's a reason that we sold... Uh, I don't know what it was, 400,000 Mustangs in the first year in 1965, and Ford, didn't, I wasn't Ford didn't really bring that into the States. I, 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 I don't have perspective for, Anyways. For, for that far back. But I can also tell you that then when you know uh, the Germans came here right with the Mercedes and the BMW uh, and the Audi, Americans bought them like hotcakes, and they weren't selling American versions, right? They were selling like the 2002 was a very popular car in Europe, and it was a very popular car here because the things that made it great in Europe are the things that people wanted here as well. I just don't think that appeal works nowadays. I mean, there's a reason we didn't get the one series hatchback from BMW. There's a reason that we didn't initially get the eighth class from right, BMW. But now you're at the edges. I'm I, saying about the main thing. You're, you're, I think in general, right, sure, there will be cars in different segments that work better in different So why places. do we have a different Passat? I'll tell you what company would sell here really well. What? Skoda. I disagree. No, I think, knows I think, Skoda is. I, I it's th- just Volkswagen. It's just a, it, they make the same cars. No, because Vol- it's a rebadged Volkswagen. No, a Skoda is, is kind of, they've got that kind of brand value and to European, the Czechs, Euro- they have a lot of brand European value. engineering that um, you know people would would be willing to pay less money for, right? So basically, what you're getting is a, is a European engineered car that cost a lot less. So it's kind of like the the, the 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 play that the Koreans made because Koreans are now moving up, right? When Kia came here and when Hyundai came here, they, the Elantra was this entry-level car and they had to give it a 10-year warranty because people were afraid that it wasn't going to make it you know, down the road from the dealership. And they've kind of worked their way up and they're building now Genesis and very expensive cars. And there's a big opening, I think, underneath both the Japanese, the Koreans, and the Americans. I think Skoda would fill that void like it does in Europe, and they would do really well here. I think 90% of people listening to this podcast have probably no idea what that, that company yeah, is. It's still annoying. Nobody knew what it And ki- it took Kia. Dude, how long did it take dude, Kia from the XL to build it t- the It takes Telluride? a long time. Like 35 years. Dude, but nobody, at least, you know, I mean, Hyundai, people didn't even know how to pronounce it. Of course, Dad. People still don't know like how to pronounce Europe, it. Like in Europe, Skoda is like, is like is, it just rolls off the tongue because, oh, Skoda, yeah, no worries. But my point is that... I, these cars don't work. And I have one more example. The Passat in the U.S. is entirely different than the yeah, Passat. Yeah, I think that's a huge mistake. I disagree. I think that Americans want huge different mistake. things no, than Europeans. No, because th- th- that's a great the example. The roads are different. Can I make one more argument? Yeah. The roads are different. In Germany, you have small roads, twisty roads. Here in the U.S., how many turns from here to Phoenix? Four? Yes, that's why pickups work. Yeah, we want comfortable cars that are good in a straight line. For the most part, those are what sell. So, that's so, why f one fifty. So here's successful. the problem with the Passat, right? In Passat... The and a lot of cars, right? We were in Europe and we rented a Golf, and it was a you know it had better transmission, better headlights, uh, better seats, right? Uh, this was the all um, the, the, the little variant Golf, which is the all road. No, what's it called here? You know, all track, all track, yeah, the all track here. 
Uh, anyway, we, we rented this thing, and I was so surprised at how good it was in Europe, and then we rented it here. It was detuned for America. They made it because America, people are much more price conscious, right? So what they did was they made it cheaper. Uh, and I think whenever you treat your customer in, in, in two different ways, you say one group of customers, you guys get the best, right? So we're going to give you a Passat with much more sophisticated um, um, suspension than the Americans are going to get. Instead, you Americans are big, so we're going to give you more legroom. I think that's a problem. I think, I think people inherently want to be treated the same way. And when you, when you say to one of them, and it happened with the M3 too, right, when the M3 was detuned for America. This is the classic example of the journalists and the CTSV. All the journalists said, we need more wagons. Bring us a CTSV no, wagon. I'm not talking about, I'm talking the, about how but you, Hang on, hang on. In you, Europe, no. wagons sell like crazy. They do sell a lot of wagons. Everyone said, bring us a CTSV wagon. They're like, here you go. 500 people brought it. Same thing with the uh, E-Class wagon. There's a reason there's no more 5-series wagon. There's a reason there's no more 3-series wagon. Because Americans stopped buying them. In Europe, you can still buy a 3-series wagon. I'm not talking about wagons. I was talking about the way that you treat your customers. But it's a different customer group. Someone that buys a 500, Fiat 500, is not going to buy an F-150. Someone that buys an F-150 is not going to buy a Fiat 500. It's been proven. When you detune a car. That's a different thing, though. That's the same car in different tuning. People know that's crap. That is crap the message you're sending to your customer base is you're not good enough to get the best we're going to sell the best in europe but in america you guys are completely different so we're just going to sell you you know space or simplicity but that's when you have the same model across two different markets i'm talking about how different markets need different models a volkswagen up i would love to own one it wouldn't sell in the states a uh, a volkswagen amrock i would love to own one they can't import it into the states because of the chicken tax. They How about if there was no the, chicken tax? Well, then, then we're going back to the argument about politics and how that comes into the free market. All right. Well, guys, we just had Blazy uh, fixed, um, so he will not be passing on his genes, I fear. And Tommy, you got to go pick him up at the vet. Yes. Uh, because uh, the little guy is going to need a lot of care and love. Blaze, of course, is our uh, Bernese Mountain Dog, who now uh, is um, well, still a Bernese Mountain Dog, but. Ballless. Ball, All right. Yeah. Well, check out tflcar.com for what? News, views, and honest and independent reviews. All right. See you next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.